0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering the University of Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, Andrew Wade. As you may know or may not know, if you're just joining us for the very first time, I am your host of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast today and every single day. If you've been listening to it, obviously you've been getting familiarized with my voice. I hope you're enjoying it. I personally enjoy it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. So thank you again for joining us on this lovely Friday. If you are in the Midwest, I hope you are good and survived the polar vortex. Those temperatures looked absolutely Terrible. So hopefully everyone's safe, having a good time, and ready to talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes because we have some fantastic content to give you today. We're going to be covering tonight's big basketball game, Iowa versus Michigan, and tell you what you need to know going into that basketball game. On segment number two, we're going to talk about Fran McCaffrey. He's been the you know the subject of a lot of concern and not hatred, but just you know discontent. And Fran McCaffrey, I I personally think he's a good coach, and we're going to talk about whether or not he really is a good or bad fit for the Iowa Hawkeyes and whether they should look at, you know, firing him and moving on from him. So we'll be talking about that on segment number two. And then finally, on segment number three, we're going to be talking about the top five defensive backs in the Kirk Ferentz era. Obviously, there's a ton of great defensive backs. So I want to make sure we're, we're giving you the most appropriate top five that we personally think of. As we're going through that, make sure you know that you can let us know what your thoughts are. Just tweet back at us at Iowa, email us at lockdownhawkguys at gmail.com, or tweet at me, Andrew Wade, at Wade underscore Andrew, where you can find all of my stuff on there as well. we love to hear from you, love to get what your thoughts are on the show and the content. Before we jump in, though, make sure you are subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast at. And if you have a smart speaker at home, all you need to do is tell Siri, Google, or Alexa to play podcast Locked on Hawkeyes. It's that easy to listen to every show of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. And as a reminder, if you're tuning in with us for the very first time, we did a fantastic five-episode series about the NFL draft and all the Iowa Hawkeyes who are available this year and who could potentially be available next year for the NFL Draft. So, we had Nick Kendall, NFL Draft Analyst for 24 7 Sports. He came on, talked a lot about the Iowa Hawkeyes, talking about, you know, Anthony Nelson and TJ Hawkinson, Noah Pham, that kind of, you know, those kind of guys. We're talking about them. We're also talking about AJ Vanessa, and Nate Stanley for next year. So, if you're just tuning in with us and you love the NFL Draft, make sure you're checking out our previous five episodes where we covered all the NFL draft content you could possibly want on your Iowa Hawkeyes. That being said though, let's jump right into it. We have a big game tonight. Very big game tonight. Iowa's taking on Michigan. They are in the midst of a two game losing streak. You know, when we looked at this schedule, this, these four games, right? Playing Michigan state, going at Minnesota, playing Michigan and going at Indiana. This is arguably their toughest stretch of the season. If they were able to come out of this two and two, I consider that a success. That being said, I thought those two wins would come against Minnesota and Indiana, so they're facing an uphill battle now. They need to take on number 5 Michigan tonight and come away with the win. And it's not do or die. Iowa's still firmly in the NCAA tournament conversation. A loss here wouldn't hurt them very bad. But it's just the idea of getting into that trend of losing, and I want to see the Hawks pick it up because against Minnesota, their defense was absolutely atrocious. Not a fan of watching that game, and they really need to get it going as they're playing Michigan and, and see how they can do defensively against a team like Michigan, it'll be interesting. Though Michigan's offense is not, you know, super strong. They're they're a decent offensive team, um, but they're averaging around seventy one point four points per game, two hundred thirty third in the nation, and they're about in the middle middle point of the Big Ten in terms of um, shooting percentages in from the field and also from thir- you know three point land. So they're not exactly an offensive juggernaut, but defensively they are very stout. They are the number one ranked team defensively, according to Ken Palm, and they are the second ranked team in terms of points allowed per game in the NCAA. So that's going to be a tough battle for the Iowa Hawkeyes. One of the other things that the Michigan Wolverines are really good at is they're really good at defending the three-pointer. And for a team that plays mostly man, they don't really commit a ton of fouls. So this will be an interesting kind of thing for the Hawks. You know, I would... Last year, you consider Iowa a three-point shooting team, a team that's going to pop a three-point a lot. I think there's a lot of guys on the Hawks who can shoot the three-point well. I think this year, though, they've really started to emphasize the the post game with Tyler Cook and Luka Garza, and, and that's really where they're finding a lot more of their offensive success. There's still, though, some guys who can really shoot it from three, or, like Jordan Bohannon, just want to shoot it from three all the time. In fact, Bohannon's averaging five three-point attempts for every two regular shots, and that's a little bit... I would like to see him drive a little more, get to the paint a little bit. And against Michigan, he's going to need to do that because they're not going to let him get his shot off. And I can't stand to see him step 10 feet back and pop threes consistently all day and banking them off the rim. So that'll be an interesting battle for them. Also, who's going to win that free throw battle. We've seen numerous times that Iowa is able to get even the best of teams in you know, foul, foul trouble with their, you know, constant aggression and down low and attacking players and whatnot. So Let's see how that kind of plays out. The interesting thing here is while Michigan is very good at not fouling people, they don't really have a very deep bench. So if they were to get in foul trouble, they, their bench only goes seven people deep. They have a few guys that can, you know played a couple minutes each game, but for the most part, it's just seven guys who are kind of rounding out that entire lineup. So if Iowa can get any of those guys in foul trouble, that will really put a, a lot of pressure on their bench. As can be expected, though, Iowa is not favored in this game. Um, No, one, I would not expect them to be favored in this game, I guess, especially coming off a game like they did against Minnesota. Um, But I think there's obviously a chance. I'm not going to go out on a limb and predict they're going to win, but I think if you can get Moss, you know, Isaiah Moss and Joe Wieskamp going offensively and have them drive into the lane, obviously we need big gains from Luka Garza and Tyler Cook. I think the biggest thing, though, is we just need to play better team defense and maybe not rely on man defense as much. Iowa doesn't have the players to match up man-to-man, especially, especially Jordan Mohannon. And I think Luka Garza is not a very strong defensive player as well. So, you know, the zone is really really helps Iowa lock in defensively, and that's what they really need to do more often against Michigan, against Michigan State and Minnesota. When they were in man, that's really when they got burnt. So we'll have a full recap of the game, though, on either tomorrow's episode, if we do win tomorrow, or on Monday's episode. So stay tuned for that. We have a few messages from our sponsors, though, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are back after those messages from our sponsors. On segment number two, we're going to be covering Fran McCaffrey. Is he a good coach? Is he someone that Iowa can rely on consistently over the next coming decade? Is he going to have a Kirk Ferentz tenure? Or is he going to have a Steve Alford tenure? You know, is he gone soon, or Is he going to be here forever? And then just a reminder that on segment number three, we're going to be giving you our top five defensive backs in the Kirk Ferentz era. So... Fran McCaffrey, I think this is a very contentious topic. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts are. For me personally, I like a lot of what Fran stands for. One of the big things that stuck out to me is that he will support his players to the death. I mean, he's hard on them, don't get me wrong, but he will absolutely go to bat for his players. Uh, I think obviously the the issue in the earlier season about you know Macey Daly and, and dribbling with the head down and stuff. I, I think Fran McCaffrey overreacted, but just like that, he treats the players like they're his kids. So I love that about him. And one of the things is you know people look at his conference record. They say you know he has a losing conference record. His winning percentage isn't that great. But what people don't realize is that he kind of came into a pretty bad situation. He was taking over for a team from you know Licklider that was absolutely terrible, and he. You know, it took him two seasons to turn the program around, but he's getting there. And if you take away those two seasons, he's actually doing pretty okay. Um, In terms of, you know, conference wins and losses, he's 61 and 57, which is a 52% winning percentage. That's pretty good considering how solid the Big Ten is. And his overall winning percentage is 61%, 138 wins to 88 losses. Reminder, that is only for every season, but the first two where he was really trying to improve that program. Now... I I've mentioned that a lot, you know, when talking about Fran McCaffrey. I think a big thing is how do you separate those first two years? And personally, I think it's okay to exclude those. But and talking and conversing with some Iowa State fans on Twitter, they made some good points. You know, Iowa State was, you know, not in a good spot. Hoiberg joined them, and holy crap, they turned around immediately. He went out, he got transfers. He got a lot of random guys that brought in there and and made that team good right away. And it took three years for Fran. So is that a testament to Fran? Or is that a testament to Hoyberg? Is, is Fred Hoyberg, the kind of guy who can do that? Is he just that you know amazing as a head coach? Or is this kind of a, a negative on, on Fran for not being able to do that as quickly? Interesting to get your thoughts. Definitely tweet at us at Locked on Iowa what your thoughts are on that. Another thing though, too, I think for me. Obviously, the big knock on Fran is his postseason success. He hasn't had a lot. The Hawks have been to three NCAA tournaments. That is not ideal. I think they're likely going to go to a fourth this year. I also think there's an opportunity for them to go for the next couple of years. They have a really strong core, but when he's been there, they haven't been successful. They're one and three. So, not I'm oh, sorry, two and three. They're, they're two and three and not exactly ideal. I think this team has the talent if they can put it together to go. You know, two, three, four games into the NCAA tournament this year, but it's just a matter of them being consistent and putting it all together. And And the one knock I think for Fran at least is that defensively he plays a very complex defensive scheme and it takes players years to learn his, his defensive scheme. And dude, you got to simplify it, man. It's college basketball. It, your defensive scheme shouldn't be that bad. I mean, Iowa has athletes, teach them the fundamentals, play a few different types of zone and stick with that. I think, Don't get too fancy here, and that's one of the things I think I'm a little bit frustrated about with Fran as of right now. That being said, though, the big thing, the reason why I think they really should keep Fran is his recruiting has gotten better. I mean, Iowa's not going to be the team that gets five-star recruits. I I understand that. They're not Kentucky, right? They're not Kansas. But they're starting to pick up some pretty solid players. They had Tyler Cook a few years ago. Luca Garza, another four-star. They got Joe Wieskamp. Connor McCaffrey is almost a four-star, and then you have Patrick McCaffrey coming in next year, the son of Fran. Do you think Connor and Patrick are going to stay if Fran's fired? I doubt it, and they're very instrumental to the success of this team. I mean, we're seeing it right now. Jordan Bohannon is not a point guard. He is a shooting guard and a point guard's body. When the ball gets to him, it dies. The offense just doesn't run very well through him, and Connor McCaffrey is really that that point guard, the, the leader of the team from that perspective, and Patrick brings even more dynamic abilities. I mean, he's arguably a better player than Connor is. I saw him play in the state tournament a few years ago, and the kid's fantastic. Even as a young player, he was great. So I think that's a huge reason why we should keep Fran. And also give him a chance. I mean, Iowa wasn't expected to win that game against Michigan State. Yes, did it suck to see them blow it? Absolutely. But they weren't expected to win that game, and they were in it for most of the game. The Minnesota game, disappointing. Shouldn't have lost that. But it also is the Big Ten. The Big Ten's freaking tough. It is not an easy conference to play in each game. So give him some give him some slack. Let's see how the next couple games go. And then I think reevaluate how we feel about Fran as the head coach of the Iowa basketball team. That'll do it, though, for segment number two. Just a reminder that on segment number three, we are going to be talking about the top five defensive backs in Iowa football history. All right, we are back with the top five defensive backs in Iowa football history. Thank you again for tuning in to the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Locked on Iowa, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. So, we obviously, it's not football season, but we love talking about football here on the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. I thought it'd be a fun adventure to look through the, the defensive backs in the Kirk Ferentz tenure. And there have been a ton of good defensive backs, so it made it difficult. But I think I was able to narrow it down to my top five in the Kirk Farron tenure. It's very important, though. This is an opinion, right? So let me know if you think anyone else should be in here. There's a lot of great Iowa defensive backs that, you know, deserve some consideration. I think of Tyler Sash, Brent Greenwood, Amari Spivey. There's a lot of good guys that could have been on this list. So that being said, let me know what your thoughts are. We're gonna jump though to number five, and the five, the fifth guy on this list is Josh Jackson, and he, you know, only played really one year of, a, you know, playing Iowa football. Obviously, he played a few times in his freshman and sophomore season, but you know, not extensively. So he kind of came out of nowhere when you know Desmond King left for the NFL, and what a what a season did he have! In his one season as a starter, he totaled forty-eight tackles and eight interceptions, along with eighteen passes defensed. That's absolutely outstanding. And that allowed him to take home a ton of awards. The first team all it's Big Ten, he won the Tatum-Woodson Defensive Back of the Year. He also won, you know, got All-American honors and received the Jack Tatum Award for the Nation's Best Defensive Back. So Josh Jackson coming in at fifth, obviously, I think the All-American thing really kind of did it for me. That really separated him from a few of the other guys that were in consideration for this list. Item number four on this list, or you no, know, player number four is Amani Hooker. I think... The stats don't really show what he could do, but I'm glad he got the recognition that he deserved this season. He was such an invaluable member of the football team and really allowed the Hawks to transition to a more modern 4-2-5. Despite, though, not racking up a ton of sacks, he got a lot of love from the media this year. He won the Tatum-Woodson defensive back of the year. You know, four Iowa Hawkeyes have won that award out of eight seasons. He also was first-team All-Big Ten and was named an All-American. We're going to see how far he goes or where he goes in the NFL draft coming up in April. Just a reminder that we did talk about Amani Hooker and his draft prospects on Thursday's episode a week and a half ago. So make sure you're checking out a few episodes back. You can talk about Amani Hooker or hear us talk about Amani Hooker and what he's going to bring to an NFL team. So the person, you know, number three on our list is Micah Hyde. And Micah Hyde had a fantastic career at Iowa, played a lot. All right, so he came there as a dual-threat quarterback, quickly switched to defensive back, and started three years alternating between corner and safety. He took home all Big Ten three times, twice being honorable mention, once being first team, and he also received the Tatum-Woodson Defensive Back of the Year Award. He was the first Hawkeye to actually receive that award. In his career, you know, he played for a while, so he totaled 240 tackles, eight interceptions, and 15 passes defensed, along with two forced fumbles, and He had three defensive touchdowns, so pretty outstanding career. Obviously, we're seeing the kind of talent he has. Although he went in the fifth round, he's carved out an incredible career so far in the NFL and was named one of the top 100 players of 2018 by his peers this past season. So fantastic job by Micah Hyde of continuing his excellence from Iowa on the NFL. He comes in at number three on our top five defensive backs in the Kirk Ferentz era. At number two is none other than Desmond King. And this guy really, really made that Iowa defense go. I mean, absolutely incredible. He was a large, big catalyst to the Hawks' undefeated season in 2015. Undefeated regular season, mind you. But just incredible. I mean, it's pretty impressive that he was so good his junior year that when he came back, teams just stopped throwing his way. And his, his stock actually dropped because he did ha- not have – he had no production. So pretty impressive all around. His junior year was, ob- was obviously his best year, though. He had 72 tackles, 8 interceptions, 13 passes defense, and he took home first-team All-Big Ten, All-American honors, and the 2016 Tatum-Woodson Defensive Back of the Year, along with the Jack Tatum Defensive Back of the Year award. So Pretty incredible, and don't forget he also grabbed the Jim Thorpe Award. This guy was outstanding, and I'm so glad we were able to see him play for another season. It's pretty remarkable that he actually did come back, but love love Desmond King. He plays for the Chargers now, and even though, even though I'm a Broncos fan, I still root for him because I love what he stood for as an Iowa Hawkeye. So, who do you think at this point is number one? And I, if, if this is a surprise, that's bad because this guy was the easiest one to slot at number one. And that is none other than the hitman, Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders is a legend in the Iowa football program. Diminutive guy, five foot eight, 200 pounds. He was an incredible safety, maybe the best safety ever to play at Iowa. And there was a few good safeties. Paul Krause is one I'm thinking of off the top of my head, but... Bob Sanders, what really stands out about Bob Sanders is the fact that he was one of the guys who helped put the Iowa football program back on the map. Kirk Ferentz started out a couple of decent, you know, bad seasons. And then Bob Sanders was really one of the catalysts to help Iowa move forward. And he was a part of the first three bowl games in the Kirk Ferentz era, including the Alamo Bowl, the Orange Bowl and the Outback Bowl. So left left uh, Iowa City with two bowl wins, big one in the Outback Bowl, and that was a real good team. He also was named All-Big Ten three times and named All-American his senior year. He is seventh in team history with 348 tackles, and this guy had 25 tackles in one game against Indiana, so pretty freaking incredible. And as you can imagine, his name being the hitman, this guy caused a lot of fumbles, and you did not want to go over the middle against him. He continued that on to the next level. He actually was named NFL Defensive Player of the Year for the Colts one season, but obviously the size kind of caught up to him. He, you know, started dealing with injuries, nagging injuries, and whatnot. So wasn't able to, you know, have a lot of sustained success. But overall, a fantastic Iowa football career and an NFL career for Bob Sanders. And that will wrap it up for our top five defensive backs. Let me know what you think. I'm interested to see if you agree with our one through five or if you would put any of the other guys up there. A lot of good defensive backs to pick from. It was actually very difficult to say who was top five. It ultimately came down to what kind of awards did they receive. And I think that obviously is biased too because I was getting a lot more love now than they did back then. So... Either way, let me know what your thoughts are on that. But that'll wrap it up for segment number three, and that'll wrap it up for our Friday morning show. So you're probably listening to this on your way to work or maybe on the way home from work. Either way, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Make sure you're tuning into the basketball game tonight. A lot of other great Iowa sports that we will give you the recaps on at the end of this weekend as well. We'll be hopefully giving you a podcast tomorrow morning about Iowa versus you know Michigan's performance, see kind of what happened there and talk about our instant analysis of that game hopefully we'll be able to get to that if not it'll be airing on monday morning just a reminder as if you're still listening to the show, make sure you're subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast at. And please leave us a review. Let us know what you think. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at LockedOnIowa, and you can reach out to me at Wade underscore Andrew. So make sure you're following us. You can get all of the latest happenings of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thank you again for joining us on the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic Friday. A fantastic weekend. So glad you're tuning into the show, but have a fantastic day, Hawkeye Nation, and we'll be back tomorrow.